To learn more about Dream City Church, you can visit our website where you can join groups and register for events, safely give, and so much more, dreamcityok.church. Good morning, Dream City Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Is anyone enjoying the nice weather? Come on, I am so excited about warmer weather. If you can't tell, I'm wearing a very fancy shirt this morning that I got at Ross for $5. I've already been told this morning I look like a human disco ball. So either today's gonna be very encouraging for you or very distracting, because I look so good. So we're gonna be on part nine of a sermon series called Dream on Purpose. Pastor Mark and Erica are not here today. They are in Washington. Pastor Mark kind of is great at meeting new people, and he bumped into a new guy at a, a church conference, and the dude fell in love with Mark, and Mark fell in love with the dude, and their DNA of being in the church world is the same, and he's like, Mark, why don't you come preach at my church? He's like, sure. He's like, I got four campuses, which means you got to preach four different times. So here's Mark. He preached last night, and pray for him. He said he's preaching three times this morning at each different church, back to back to back. So he's going to need some prayers this morning. I told him, I was like, don't get any funny ideas about McAllister, okay? Just, just saying. Don't get any funny. But he's looking forward to being back here with you guys next Sunday. He's going to be starting a brand new series called Stop the Steal. It's going to be a new series he's going to be starting next Sunday, so don't miss it. It's going to be incredible. And if you're wondering, well, if the lead pastor, Mark Kennan's not here, and you're joining us for the first time this morning or online, and you're like, who this guy who looks like a human disco ball? Hi, my name's Chris. I'm the kids pastor here at Dream City Church. I've been here for almost nine years already, and it's been incredible to see your kids grow in the Lord. And uh, things are moving along at a very rapid pace here at Dream City. If you haven't noticed, the church is growing very quickly. Just an example for you, shout out to Pastor Josh and his amazing youth ministry team, but they outgrew their space several months ago, so much of the fact that they meet just down the street now every Wednesday at the Boys and Girls Club. And because of Pastor Josh and his incredible team, they are serving over 200 teenagers every Wednesday night. Come on, somebody. It's incredible, isn't it? Well, because they outgrew the youth room and they were um, kind of, you know, vacated the premises, that gave Dream City Kids a chance to expand our ministry. And just this past January, just a few months ago, we launched a preteen ministry called Kid 56. And I want you guys to take a look at this video if you haven't seen it already on Facebook. I was feeling that, feeling that breeze, singing like a song through the tall oak trees. It was just another summer night. Had to be the last thing on my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was all but lost in the moment. I was young and running wide open. It was just another summer night. Had to be the last thing on my mind. When Come on, let's give God some praise of what he's doing. 
It's incredible, man, to see that there's now this place just for preteens and Kid Nation is now just first through fourth grade, which first grade through sixth grade is a huge gap, isn't it? Like that's a lot. So we were in desperate need to expand our ministry. And I'm telling you right now, none of this could be possible without our amazing Dream City Kids leadership team. Can you guys give it up for these amazing people that you see right now on the screen? These are your kids' small group leaders on Wednesday nights and lesson leaders on Sunday mornings, and I cannot do what we do here without them. And of course, I don't have everybody's pictures, but we are just so thankful as parents and grandparents that we have Kid Haven, which is our special needs ministry, and Kidopolis, which is birth through kindergarten, so that you could be in here and experience God's word and God's presence with the church body. Come on, give it up one more time for all of our Dream City Kids volunteers. It's incredible. Well, over the past several weeks, Pastor Mark's been on the series called Dream on Purpose, and we're on part nine today out of 10, so you're almost done. Hang in there. If you're joining us for the first time and you're all like, ooh, part nine, I don't know how this is gonna go for me today. It's all right, we're gonna, I'm gonna do a quick recap for you. As a matter of fact, we're gonna do a back to the future kind of a feel. Does anybody enjoy those movies, Back to the Future? Oh my gosh, one of my favorite trilogies. So we're literally gonna go back in the story of Joseph because that's where we've been at in Genesis. We're gonna go back to the beginning of Joseph because I want you to think of something really quick. And then we're gonna get back in the DeLorean and go even further into the future of Joseph's story further than where we ended on Sunday and even where we left off on Wednesday. So if you wanna follow along with me, I'm not gonna read it yet, but turn to your Bibles in Genesis chapter 50. That's where we're gonna be at, Genesis chapter 50. And before we get there and read it, I want you to imagine yourself in Joseph's shoes just for a moment as we recap what has happened in his story so far. Put yourself in his shoes and think for a moment, what was he feeling when he nearly escaped being murdered by his own brothers and thrown into a pit. Then he was sold into slavery by his brothers. Imagine what was going on in Joseph's mind as he stood on the auction block being sold to the highest bidder to be a slave for the rest of his life in a place he wasn't supposed to be at with people, not his family, sold to the highest bidder to work and serve in a man's house to fulfill his dreams and his destiny, all to then be wrongly accused of something, to be thrown in prison and forgotten about for years and years to come. When he finally did get out of prison, the Bible says that God uplifted him into a high position of authority in Egypt. But even then, did you know that he had two sons himself during that time of his reign at Egypt? And he couldn't even find the, the peace and the joy to share of being a father with his very own father, to be a grandfather to his sons, all of this because his brothers sinned against him and hated him, mistreated him. Listen, I'm sure the things that he endured all through this time were definitely hardships, but I think some of them pale in comparison to knowing that you were betrayed by your own family. You were hurt, something was done to you. And I don't think it was a coincidence. I don't think it was a misunderstanding. It was full on treachery that his brothers did to him. And Joseph could have spent all these years behind prison bars, working at Potiphar's house, wherever he was, he could have been planning his revenge and how he was gonna get even with his brothers. I'm sure there were several opportunities that presented themselves to him. Rather, it was situations that he had to help deal with as a leader or things that happened around him that maybe sparked that PTSD moment of everything that has happened to him. And he probably had those moments to think and conjure up ways, how can I get back at my brothers? 
But Joseph didn't do that. If you read his story, it shows that he actually forgave his brothers, which leads us to our ninth test. If you're taking notes, the title of today's test is called The Pardon Test. In Genesis chapter 39, you might be thinking, well, how do you know, Pastor Chris, that he, he, he pardoned and forgave his brothers? Well, if you read in Genesis chapter 39, it says that God was with Joseph and he prospered in everything he did. And I personally don't think that the Lord would be with Joseph, prospering him in everything that he was doing if he first hadn't been passing all these tests that we've been talking about up until this point, and especially if he was harboring bitterness and unforgiveness in his own heart. Every single one of us are going to have to pass this test. Some of you are even facing this test right now. Someone has done something wrong against you, and you're still harboring bitterness and unforgiveness. So let's jump to Genesis chapter 50, and I'm going to have it on the screen for you guys in case you forgot your Bibles. But we're going to read in verse 15 all the way through verse 21. You guys ready? Here we go. When Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. If you remember the story, seven years of harvest followed by seven years of famine and Egypt had all those resources because of Joseph's obedience to God. So then don't be afraid, Joseph said, I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke to them kindly. If you read in Genesis from Genesis chapter one, verse one, all the way to what we just read in Genesis chapter 50, did you know that this is the very first time the word forgive is ever mentioned in the Bible? Very first time. And since the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, you gotta look at that translation of what that word really means. And here's the definition and the power and weight that that word carries. It's to absolve fully or to release from punishment, to be pardoned or to bear up and to lift up. And I find it really ironic, but also not because it is just who God is, but this is exactly what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has done for us, hasn't he? He has pardoned our wrongs. He has pardoned our sins. He has borne them on himself and he has lifted us up to be seated at the right hand of our heavenly father with Jesus. And I really like this word pardon because when you pardon someone, it means that you are releasing them. You're letting it go. So here's the question you have to ask yourself. You can write this down if you need to. In order for you to pass the pardon test, in order for me to pass the pardon test, if we know that God has completely forgiven us and pardoned us, then here's the question you gotta ask. Is that the same way I'm forgiving others? Is this the same way I'm forgiving others? Are you releasing them even though they have wronged you? Are you pardoning them even though they have hurt you? And I think we can all relate to this because I'm probably one of the uh, greatest imaginers here in this instance is that when someone has wronged you, 
You find yourself rehearsing and rehashing it over and over and over again in your mind to where you're getting so, your blood's boiling and you're like, if I ever see that person again, I'll tell you what I'll tell them. You tell me and I'm gonna tell, and you start rehashing this. Maybe you're like me and you literally have lost sleep at nighttime because you keep thinking about the person that has wronged you and how you think they should be paid back. And maybe you're like me and you're just driving down the road minding your own business and those thoughts keep popping into your head. They're stealing not only your sleep, they're stealing your thoughts throughout the day and you might think everything's fine and then you see that person on Facebook and it just all starts rising back. Am I the only one? That's okay, I'll be the only one. There's a popular saying about having unforgiveness. It's to drink poison expecting that the other person is gonna die from it. When we hold unforgiveness against somebody, friends, the only person it hurts is yourself. And I know that that sounds, no, that, yeah, it's good preaching, Pastor Chris, that's cool. But it's true, and I am so guilty of it. I can't tell you how many times I have lost countless sleeps. My wife is all like, would you just let it go? It's not easy. Sometimes I just want to be mad, okay, woman, my gosh. But are you with me? Like, sometimes we just want to be angry, but... God is telling us to pass the pardon test. We have to pardon them just as he has pardoned us. So I encourage you sometime today, I want you to go and I want you to read Matthew chapter 18. Just write it down. I'm gonna hit one verse in there just to kind of show you what this does. Um, Jesus, when he was on this earth in person, was very popular for giving parables. And, and if you don't know what a parable is, it's just a fancy word for saying it's a story within a story, Okay. Jesus was really great at giving stories to people that needed to hear that particular story. If he was talking to fishermen, well, he would tell a story about fish. If he was talking to farmers, he would be talking about sowing and planting. He was really good at this. And in this particular parable, and you can take his parables at face value and still learn from them, but if you are really seeking, if you're really searching, you'll know that Jesus isn't just saying things all the time at face value. There's more to it. Even his disciples were, were perplexed about this. They're like, what, what does this mean? So in this particular parable, Jesus is saying that there was this man who owed his master a ton of money. I mean, was in debt over his ears. And the master brought him before him and he basically said, dude, you owe me this much money. If you don't pay it, you're gonna be turned into prison until you can pay it back. You're gonna be stuck in prison. Well, this guy begged his master, like, I don't have it. Like, I have a wife, I've got kids. Like, I, I can't, like, please forgive me. And it says that the master had compassion on this guy and completely pardoned him, released him of his entire debt, paid in full right there. The guy immediately walks out from his master's presence, going home and sees another man that owes him money. Pennies to the dollars of what he owes the master that we just got done talking about. And he met him in the alleyway and he picked him up by his shirt and he said, give me your lunch money. I'm just kidding, I don't know what he said. But he was basically demanding him to pay him back. And this guy, same situation. Man, I'm so sorry, I don't, I don't have it, but I'll have it to you next week, I promise. And he did not have compassion on this guy. He had him immediately thrown in jail until he could pay back that little debt that he had. And when the main master heard what just happened, he summoned that man back into his court. And in Matthew chapter 18, verse 34, this is what it says. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back what he owed. Again, you could read that story and just be like, oh man, I need to forgive just as, just as I have been forgiven. But when Jesus was sharing this parable, he was saying that when we refuse to give, we are the ones who are tortured and tormented in our minds, 
in our attitudes, in our emotions. And while you're over here rehearsing and rehashing everything that happened to you years ago, this person's living their best life and they're not thinking twice about it. So why hold on to it? You can't step from the dreams that God has given you into your destiny until you fully pardon someone who has wronged you. So today I wanna give you three keys to true forgiveness. So you can write these down. They're keys that uh, your boy has been walking through in his past. It's three keys of true forgiveness that I'm walking through right now. And it will be three keys that I will be walking through in the future because let's face it, forgiveness is hard, isn't it? Because when someone has wronged you, it hurts. We don't forgive someone because they did something nice for us, right? We forgive someone because they did something wrong against us. And true forgiveness releases the wrongdoers from their punishment. But I do want to make something known really quick. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that you're putting a stamp of approval on what they did to be okay. God wants to bring healing to your heart. If someone has done something wrong against you, you're not forgiving them so that they could get by scotch-free. But you're not judge, jury, and executioner. God is the one who's in control of all of that. What God wants to do is heal you, restore you, bless you. But you have to pass the pardon test. So I want to read Genesis chapter 50, verses 16 through 17 one more time. Actually, I'm going to read it twice to you because I want you to see where we're at in this story of Joseph. You got to remember that Joseph's brothers were master manipulators and liars. Think back at the very beginning. They didn't like their brother Joseph, so what did they do? They got together. They schemed ways to have him killed. One of the brothers said, eh, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in a pit. We'll figure out what to do with him later. Sold him into slavery. Then what did they do? They got together and they lied to their dad that Joseph had been killed by a wild animal, right? So these guys have a track record of being master manipulators and liars. And so here they are getting together to get a messenger to now go talk to their brother for them on their behalf. This is what it says in verse 16. So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. I wanna read it again, but I want to bring some highlighted parts because I want you to understand that these words were very strategically put together. I can imagine his brothers coming together and they're like, all right, all right, fellas. All right, what are we gonna say? It's gotta be good. What, what, how are we gonna word this? It says that they sent word to Joseph. In other words, these guys were not even brave enough to approach Joseph and ask forgiveness themselves. They sent someone else. And then they're scheming, okay, so we got, it, we, got, we got someone who can go. So how should we start this out? You know, he's been gone for so long, so we could just say, our dad wants you to, no, 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 no. Even though he's been gone for so long, let's say your father, your dad, that will carry more weight. That sounds great. So your father, that's good, keep going. Uh, he left these instructions uh, before he died. In other words, they're lying and manipulating to say that, hey, Joseph, your dad's dying wishes was that you would forgive us. Do you see where they're going with this? And then he continues to say, I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed. They didn't say, we ask that you forgive us of the sins we've committed. 
They're not taking ownership of this at all. Now, please forgive the sins. And this is my favorite part. They're like, okay, how can we bring it home? I got it. Let's bring God into the situation. That, that'll, that'll carry some more weight. Let's bring God into the situation. And not just God, but let's add the servants of the God of your father. Yeah, that'll be great. Let's do that. Listen, we have all been hurt by someone who is really great at lying, who is really great at manipulating. And forgiveness is not easy. But what do you do when someone has wronged you and they are so full of pride that they will never admit they were wrong or, forgive, or ask for forgiveness. How do you extend that first key, which is to release it? Write that down. The first key to true forgiveness is to release it. How do you release it? Well, really quick, I'll tell you a quick story. My very first church I was hired on at, I was very young, fresh out of um, Bible college, had no clue what I was doing. I went to Bible college to be a worship leader, and now I'm hired on as a full-time kids pastor. Long story short, the church dies. It goes from about seven to eight full-time staff members to only me and the lead pastor at the time. We were portable for a year in a movie theater setting up over and over, and the church just kept declining. I think we were down to about 15 people at this point. And one day, the pastor called me up, and he manipulated the conversation to a very young and naive man to basically say, hey man, you're working hard. Hey, this coming Sunday, take a break, man. You and your wife, y'all just take a break. And you know, next Sunday we'll have you up on stage and we'll, we'll congratulate you guys for all that God's doing in your lives. And of course, I went along with it. We did exactly what he said. We didn't show up that Sunday. And our phones blew up afterwards because that man stood on the platform and to his small congregation flat out lied and said, Melody and I turned in our letter of resignation that we no longer wish to be there, that God's leading us somewhere else. And we were so hurt. They say church hurts the worst kind of hurt, right? Because you believe in the people that are God's people and man, it hurts so badly. And I can't tell you how many years I was in bondage and torture in my own mind because of this. Never got an apology whatsoever. I got hired on at my second church, and during that time, Melody and I still knew something is still not finalized with this first pastor. Like, something still needs to be released. So we followed up with them on Facebook, and we invited them to have dinner with us. Granted, these guys are like 15, 20 years older than us. You would think with age comes maturity, but not all the time. So we invite them to dinner. I think we ended up even paying for their dinner. We shot the breeze. Man, the weather's great. Hey, how's this? Never once talked about the church. Never once talked about what happened. Never once got an apology. We're leaving the restaurant and we're about to part ways. And I just put my hand on that man's shoulder and I just said, man, I know things probably could have ended differently, but I just wanna say thank you because you're the only person that saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and that was to become a kid's pastor. And when I stepped into that, it has been the best decision of my life because I knew that that's what I was called to do. That was my way of forgiving and releasing him. Guys, after that, I can't tell you, like I completely forgot about the situation. I forgot about the man so much that years down the road since I've been here, went to a conference in Dallas um, and that man saw me in the lobby and walked straight up to me. And I kid you not, as he started talking to me, it took me 30 seconds to recognize who he was. 
It's because I had released him from all the unforgiveness. I got hurt at my second church while I was in Dallas. And when I finally came here, it was fresh from coming from my second church. I remember sitting out in the great hall and there was this really cool redhead guy that I just sat down and talked with. He was the worship leader and youth pastor at the time. You guys now know him as Pastor Mark Kennan. And I remember sitting out there and I'm like, Mark, man, this is what I'm going through. I'm so angry that this other church did this to me and yada, yada, yada. And he goes, Chris, forgiveness is like an onion. I'm like, why? Because it makes you cry all the time? He goes, no, it's because it's got layers, man. This is like a Shrek movie all over again. Onions have layers, okay? And in that process, you might think you have forgiven that person, but then you see them on social media, you bump into them at Walmart, and all those feelings start coming back up again. It's because you've got another layer that you've got to ask God, please help me release this. Please help me forgive this. And you got to keep doing it over and over and over again until it is gone, my friends, because God does not hold anything against you. And he expects that we extend that same forgiveness to someone else. And I know that there are some dark and hurtful things that people may have done to you. It's not a stamp of approval that they did is okay. It's you to release it so God can heal you. Why hold on to it? I also think one reason many people have a hard time forgiving others, it's because they have a hard time receiving it themselves. That's point number two. The first one is to release it. The second one is you gotta receive it. If you grew up thinking that you have to somehow earn and pay back to be forgiven, well then naturally you're just gonna go throughout your life thinking that people have to pay you back in order for you to forgive them. If you grew up with this twisted mentality of this mindset that there's somehow people have to owe you something back in order for you to forgive, you're just gonna continually think that you can't forgive someone until they owe you back something. The Bible says in Matthew 10, 8, freely you've received, now freely you need to give. And can I tell you something? And it's something very important. God will never get back at you. God is never holding a tally sheet of what you've done. He's never going to get back at you. You need to fully receive the forgiveness that God has already done for you. The price has already been paid when Jesus died on the cross thousands of years ago. And until you receive the forgiveness that God has freely given to you, you will not be able to extend that same forgiveness to others. And if you've had a problem receiving God's forgiveness, it might be, this is our third point, it might be because you have a problem believing that you are forgiven. If the first one is to release it, the second one is to receive it, well then the third one is that you gotta believe it. And not just this, you gotta believe it right here. You can't just have a head knowledge of it. If you read throughout the Bible, you will read and understand that God is holy. Someone say holy. Holy is just an easy word that means set apart. Think about it. God is light, God is life, God is love, that's everything opposite of the enemy. The enemy is nothing but death, lies, sinful, like everything, cannot mix. If you go back at Genesis 1, the Garden of Eden, God and humans mixed together. There was no sin. It was paradise, man. But then sin entered into the world and God was set apart from his people. Sinful people could not mix with a holy God. There was a relationship barrier there. And we are people born into a sinful world in need of a savior. We are. But when God looks at you, God doesn't see your mistakes. 
God doesn't see the bitterness and unforgiveness that is growing inside of you like a poison. You wanna know what he sees? When he looks at you, he sees a righteous individual. Pastor Chris, what are you talking about? You just said I'm a sinful person and all this nasty stuff's growing inside of me. Do I got cancer? Like, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that when God looks at you, he sees you as righteous. Righteous and righteousness is just a fancy word of being made right. Let me, let me prove it to you. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, and it tells us this. For he, God, made him Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. You need to believe and receive what God has done for you today, church. Because you are here today, it's not by accident, it's not by coincidence. We once were in darkness, but when we receive and believe in Jesus, you are now walking in the light of the Lord. You once were blind, but now you can see. You once were dead, but now you're alive. Come on guys, this is good news. This is the gospel. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your wrongs, even if you're doing them right now. He sees the precious blood of his son that was the price to free you from that. The forgiveness that he has fully extended to you. And I'm about to shake your theology really quick for a second. So don't shoot me. A very mis common understanding of scripture in the church all around the world. And I even believed this growing up until recently in, in like in my adult life, you do not go to hell because of your sin. I know I told you this is gonna rock you for a second. People do not go to hell because of their sin. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that people go to hell because of their unbelief. Jesus even said this himself in John 6, 47, most assuredly I say to you, he who, what's that word? Believes in me has what? Everlasting life. And John the Baptist, his cousin echoed this in John 3, 36. He who believes in the son of God has everlasting life. And he who does not believe, what? Cannot see life. Please settle this in your hearts today, guys. Your sin is not what is separating you from God because Jesus has already made that gap. He is the mediator for a sinful human being to be forgiven in order to now be with the holy God. What does that do for you? Now you can walk with him. Now you can talk with him. Now you can have a real relationship with the God of the universe. Now you can be led and taught and guided by his Holy Spirit. Now you live your life differently because you're saying, I'm gonna be the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth, just like he was. That's what the power of God and his son Jesus has done for you. The forgiveness that he has extended to you. But do you believe that? Do you believe that? You can be forgiven and completely pardoned because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Because you have been pardoned, are you pardoning others? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a few moments. Because maybe you're hurting in here, online, or even right here in this room because things has happened to you and your family that have truly hurt you. As we have read in the story in the life of Joseph, he knows all too well what this feels like. 
But a question I wanna ask you this morning before we dismiss is this, why allow that hurt to live on? The only reason why it is holding on and have any life whatsoever in your memories is because you and you alone are allowing it to grow. You and you alone are the only one who can surrender this to God. And so I want you to hear the voice of your heavenly father this morning before we are dismissed. Will you forgive the same way that I have forgiven you? Will you release that person fully and freely? Will you let it go so that I can take control over the situation and heal every wounded part of your heart? Come on, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I know that God is highlighting a name or a face or a situation that you have already been reliving through this whole moment. It's time to release it. It's time to let it go. So in your own heart, in your own words, and in your own prayer moment, I want you to take a moment and I want you to name it. God, I forgive blank because they did blank. Only you have the power to release this. Only you have the power to say, God, you have truly forgiven me. Now I will truly forgive blank because of blank. Come on, this is a healing and a breakthrough moment for you right now. God wants to break something that has been binding you up and holding you back so much. God, I forgive blank because of blank. Jesus, we thank you for the forgiveness you've given us. And so freely we have received as hard as it may be, but in this moment, Heavenly Father, we release that same forgiveness over that person or that persons who has hurt us, who has wronged us, who has hurt our sons, our daughters, our grandchildren. Lord, we release it in the name of Jesus. And God, we just ask that you bring healing right now to our hearts. Forgive us for holding this unforgiveness against this person. Lord, it is not in our control to have this person pay for what they've done. Lord, you have already paid for everything, even their wrongdoings. And if they never say sorry, and if they never come back to apologize, God, right now, we just freely release it in the name of Jesus right now. And healing starts today. And Lord, we're humans. And those feelings are gonna come back up all over again in the future. Lord, when that comes, help us to peel back another layer and say, God, help me to still forgive just as you have forgiven me. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, I just wanna offer one more invitation that if you're sitting in here today or you're watching online and you've had a really tough time actually believing that you are forgiven, Remember, it's not your sins that send you to hell. It's your unbelief in what God has done for you. If you have had a difficult time doing that and you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Chris, I'm ready to fully put my trust and believe in God, to invite him into my life, to be my Lord and my savior for real. I want you to just slip your hand up real quick and put it right back down, right wherever you are. This is your invitation. Yes, ma'am, I see that hand. Yes, ma'am, I see that hand. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you. This is an opportunity for you to say, God, I'm tired of being in control. I'm ready to fully believe what your son has done for me so I can walk in a real relationship with you. Church, will you repeat a prayer after me to pray with those who raised their hands this morning? There's no magic words to this. All this prayer is, is simply you admitting that you believe who Jesus is. Would you repeat after me? Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for your son, Jesus, that you sent to die on the cross. And because of his great sacrifice and because of his resurrection power, I am forgiven. I believe I am forgiven. I believe that I am your child. And I believe that I can walk in a real relationship with you. Thank you for this new life you've given me. And now I extend it back to you. Use me to be the hands and feet of your son from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, Dream City, give it up for those who said yes to Jesus today. If that was your first time or you even rededicated your life, I've got a number on the screen for you. Pastor Mark wants to follow up with you. If you would just text, I said yes, all one word to this number right here. Pastor Mark wants to follow up with you. Guys, thank you for letting me be here with you today. God bless you as you enjoy this beautiful day. And we'll see you this Wednesday as Pastor Mark wraps up our sermon series, Dream on Purpose. God bless you guys.